We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your charming host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in, whether it's on Spotify or Apple on the audio side or YouTube on the video side. It's Wednesday, so we are continuing our second now in a five-week series of full seven rounds simulated in real-time Buffalo Bills mock drafts. That means I got my good buddy, Aaron Quinn, from Cover One with me. How's it going, buddy? What's up? It's terrible, man. It's late March. It was 18 degrees the last couple of days, snowing. The sun was out at least today and melted all that snow. But, dude, I know you're a guy that likes to complain about the weather up here and the cold. And you start you start all the way in Halloween. We were talking about this, I think, in October. (laughs) You and I were talking about how bad the weather was. But... March is where I lose all my patience and I hate every minute of it, dude. It's it, this month is drunk. We're going to, it's going to be 65 and raining tomorrow. And then it's going to be back into the thirties. Probably. I, I hate it. And other than that, things are fantastic. I lose, I lose patience. I, I deal with it. I suffer until after Christmas. Once it gets to be January, that's when misery just, uh, it, it starts to kick in. I, I hate it too, man. It, it yeah. sucks, but yeah. whatever. Sooner or later, it'll be nice. I'll tell you what. So this is a Buffalo bills mock draft. Let's not lose sight of what we're doing here today. So I could think of a better way to start a Buffalo Bills mock draft than by paying homage to Phil Collins. <laughs> You're a Phil Collins guy, man. I do like Phil Collins a lot. Love you like Phil? Phil. You just tweeted about him the other day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Phil Collins, who is ill, I mean, he's got a lot of ailments. He's got vertebrae injury in his neck. He can't walk anymore. He's got some former pancreatic. Uh, I don't know what to say cancer, but I know he's got some kind of issues like that. He literally can't walk. He does his show. He's been on tour with Genesis and he's been doing them on stage or I should say in a wheelchair because he literally can't walk. But anyway, 71 years old, which I mean, that's not very old for being as bad of shape as he's in physically right now. But he in London this weekend with Genesis performed for the the last time ever. Crazy. I'd be remiss again. I have you on the pod, man. I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. Are you a are you a Phil Collins? And I'm sure you're going to say both because that's the easy answer. But if I was yeah. forcing you to pick one, are you more of a Phil Collins uh, ballad guy, or are you more of a Phil Collins? Phil Collins, and we'll use Genesis as well for this uh, up tempo song kind of guy. 
Yeah, I mean, that's tough. Both yeah. both is the easy answer, right? Like, <laughs> it's sort of like Billy Joel, right? Like they they can do both things. They can rock and and bring it down a little bit for, sure. for the ballad. So it depends the vibe I'm in, uh, for sure. But I can go on a tear of both, just that the ballad slower stuff all day long or flip it over to the more upbeat stuff. But it was funny because I actually just had this conversation. I forget what album my wife was talking about. We listen to a lot of kids soundtracks in my house these days. Encanto, Moana, all these things. And we were talking about how Moana is a really great soundtrack. And like mm-hmm. my wife was like, this might be one of the better kids soundtracks ever. And I was like, well, let's like pump the brakes, right? Tarzan's still out there. Tarzan exists. And she's like, Tarzan, what? You think that's a great album? And I started playing it. She's like, holy cow. Like, this is a pretty, this is a good album. Like Phil Collins, everything the dude touched, even kids movie yeah. soundtracks, freaking nailed them every time, dude. Everything he did. Yeah, I uh, I lean slightly, not a lot, but I lean slightly towards his ballads. You know, I a little bit better. Yeah, I am. I'm a ballad guy. I'm a sucker yeah. for that yeah, shit. Yeah. I I can't help it. Against all odds, to this day, probably oh, a top man. five. The live at uh, what was it, Curates or whatever the my big. Live Aid, the big Live Aid, that live version of Against All Odds, man, maybe the best thing ever. Yeah, he he did. He crushed it. Before we get going, too, I I do want to get your take. Now, it's been a couple days, and I'm sick of reading about it. I'm sick of seeing it. I'm sick of uh, everything. I go on TikTok, and I can't swipe up three times without seeing a video of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. You loved it, though, the night of. You even uh, tagged me because I was making fun of the Oscars and you tagged me. You said, well, well, I, well, okay. First, some context here before the Oscars started, let me say this. All right. That you was started, not a subtweet. My tweet was not a, a Pat Moran subtweet. Just no, so you know. your, your tweet okay. was, you just don't give a shit about the Oscars. You called yeah, yeah. it. It was I, all I over my timeline. And I'm like, see, really I can't remember word it. for word. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you said it's irrelevant. I remember that. The draw. There's no draw. Right. I was like, this happened and I immediately tagged you. I'm like, oh, really? But I wasn't yeah. happy about it. I don't want, this isn't about my take. I want to get your take on it. Sure. Obviously, you didn't need to watch the Oscars unless you live under a rock. You know exactly all the details. Yeah, if you woke up the next day, it was. What happened? And even if you're trying to avoid it, it don't matter, man. It, it could be ESPN, CNN. Yeah. It don't matter what you put on. don't matter what app you open up on your phone, what website you go to. 48 hours later, this is still what everybody's talking about. I want to get your take on what happened and uh, how, well, there was no, Will Smith was not in the right. I don't think you're going to go that far to say it, but like the way it played out, like what's your interpretation of it? What do you think? So a lot of people are saying Will Smith was in the right. Like I've seen a lot of people being like, oh yeah, that's how you defend your woman. You know, don't talk smack. You're going to get hit, whatever. Like, I think Will Smith was totally in the wrong in this situation. Like, um, I do feel bad because I do think Jada Pinkett has some personal issues with the hair loss. And so for him to make that joke's probably lowbrow. I don't know if he knew that personally or not, but it was a, it was just a joke. And I'm going to, this is going to sound weird. I'm sure people will come at me the wrong way on this. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that's going to get up here and pound the table about cancel culture and things like that. But comedians are a little bit under attack. I love stand-up comedy. I love sure. comedians. I love that whole culture. Uh, tough year, Norm Macdonald passing away, Bob Saget passing away. Like those guys love that whole scene and year in and year out. Like it's getting a little bit weirder about what 
are comedians allowed to talk about? What are they allowed to say? And so for him to take that clearly just a joke and go up and physically assault somebody was just really weird. Is out of context. At first I thought it was, I think you posted, I thought it was like a wrestling. It was like what? a shoot. It was, like, a, it was like, a work. It, it was a work. It was a work. Like it's a work. Is it a work or a shoot? Yeah. Is it work or a shoot? Yeah. And I mean, the fact that Will Smith was like, he was for real after when he sat down, he's cussing him out and you could see it in his eyes. Like he wouldn't jeopardize his career right in that way that so it wasn't a work but it felt like a work when i saw it like when i saw that i was like man everybody there's not a lot of interest in the oscars it's been fading for years what better way this is a vince mcmahon classic like what better way to get everybody talking about your show than to do something dramatic like this so it worked for that that people are talking about the oscars for the first time outside of the crazies like you that watch all the oscar movies and sit down and watch the oscars uh, everyone was talking about it. So I guess it's good for business and Hollywood, but it, it's a weird look. Uh, no one else besides Hollywood actors could get away with walking up on stage and slapping somebody across a face without having massive, but like, dude, if I walked up in a store and smacked somebody across the face, like I'd be dealing with that for a long time. I'd have assault charges. I'd have to be dealing with court. Like that would be a mess in my life, but Will Smith will get away with it. And uh, it'll just be talked about here for this new cycle. And then it will go away. I'll, I'll tell you this. I agree with you fully. I think you said it. Everything in terms of how I feel about what he did, uh, I agree with. What bothers me the most, and by the way, to your point, I don't always watch all these movies so I can watch. I do I do watch the Oscars every year, okay? That much sure. I will admit to. But quite often, like probably 99% of the people who watch the Oscars, the, you watch one or two of those movies throughout the year. And then you have guys that you just like. Like you could be rooting for Denzel Washington to win best actor. You didn't have to see the tragedy just like Beth yeah. to be rooted. Cause you like Denzel and you want to see him win awards. Yeah. I think that's 90% of people I've done it a couple of times and I did do it this year. I watched 17 Oscar movies that totaled well over 40 hours Crazy. so that the six major categories, I could have seen them all and then have a tick. And I was supposed to do a podcast. Um, last week with Ben Matheson, but then I got in a little bit of a, a fender bender. And I know. Kinda, I meant to ask, of, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm sore. I'm, I'm yeah. good. I'm, I feel much better. Most most of the the bumps and bruises that went away, I, I got a really sore neck. But anyway. Yeah. More so that, than just general being at your age or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little more than a little bit of old the age normal. soreness. My, my neck is, is still really sore. That airbag. Oh, yeah. Those, those things are brutal. It was, it was really bad. But anyway, so I was supposed to do a podcast in part. That's half the reason why I wanted to watch all these shows so I could have a little bit of fun and do a self-indulgent podcast. But anyway, I watched, so I watched the show. And when this happened at first, I was like, it it was exciting. I I was like, is it fake? Is it real? I quickly realized, I think this shit's real. And and it was, but then I quickly got annoyed. Now, personal reasons, I'm annoyed at this point because, like I said, I like to like mess around and go, like, say on TikTok, for an example, you can't go to three, you can't swipe up three times without some kind of meme or something like that. Same thing on Twitter, Facebook. That's I'm partially all... responsible. I meme that picture probably. Sure. So have I, so too. I'm, par- I'm partially responsible. Yeah. I, I had one. It was a good one, too, of uh, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers getting smacked in the face every year in the playoffs, you know, yeah, and I'm yeah, yeah. smacking them. So, yeah, I've had some fun with it, too. But I am annoyed and I'm and I'm sad and disappointed because this year especially, and I've advocated, I've asked you like three times, I think I've told you to watch this movie now. For two months now, I've been advocating for Coda. Mm-hmm. This movie that I saw, I really liked it. The story itself, the movie was kind of a, a Cinderella story, so to speak, in its own. And then come award season, 
this movie became a Cinderella story on the award circuit. It yeah. came out of nowhere and it, it, it won some awards. And then Sunday night, it, it pulled off an upset. It won best picture. They beat Power the Dog. The Power the Dog was a pretty significant favorite. Coda won. Um, the best supporting actor from that movie, he was a, he's a deaf guy. And he had this incredible speech. I mean, obviously signed with an interpreter, but he dedicated it to his father who was, he said he was the best signer he ever known. And he, he got paralyzed, got injured. He dedicated it to him. Ariana DeBose from, uh, she was a supporting actress from West Side Story. She gave a really good speech. She's the first uh, black openly queer woman to ever win an Oscar. You know, there's a lot of milestones and a lot of really good speeches and stuff. And again, Coda, the feel-good movie of the year, wins best picture. Ain't nobody talking about any of that shit, though, Aaron. Yeah. All we're talking about is Will Smith smacking Chris Rock and who was right, right and who was wrong and stuff like that. Not to mention. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was going to say one more thing, too. Not to mention freaking 10 minutes or 15 minutes or so after that, Will Smith literally wins Best Actor. He becomes just the fifth black male to ever win an Oscar for Best Actor. Who the hell's thinking about that right now? Well, more people are talking about that than Coda, for sure. Yeah, like yeah, because that was a kind of a part uh, like built into it because his apology or not even really apology, sort of the speech talked about sure. the incident and what was going on. So that was that got some coverage. But I guess my counterpoint would be to our point prior on this conversation would if that slap didn't happen would anyone be talking about coda anyway like with docs you know what fair i mean point, like what fair point maybe a little bit they would get a little bit of shine but I, I think that would fade pretty quickly anyway in that um yeah the oscars don't have i think people just don't care in the same way that they used to about hollywood and the stars and their awards and stuff like that i think movies are not doing as well on average, uh, as they used to, uh, year in and year out. So I don't think, I think people are losing interest slowly in some of the award part of the movies. Everyone wants more Marvel and like easily consumed content. People don't want the, the deep movies with great acting as much as they used to. I agree. And, and I'll tell you one, one last thing here. This isn't a movie podcast, but yeah, I watched 17 different movies and honestly, maybe two or three of them I thought were really good guys. I, I really love Coda. And the performances, they were. This was not a great year for movies. Sure. And I do want to see King Richard. That I don't know if that's he was. Will Smith was yeah. good in it. I, he he won the Oscar. I personally, my vote would have been for Andrew Garfield. I thought he should have won. That was just my personal opinion. Will Smith was the favorite, and he won. But again, it's tainted. Everything else is just that settled. Yeah, some of that's time on. Like people are owed Oscars, things like that. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Anyway, <laughs> one that went along with that thought, but I do, I want to get your thoughts because again, this is stuff that's dominating the news right now. One non-draft news item too related to the Bills and the NFL as a whole is that the overtime rule has now been changed for the playoffs only. Each team must must possess the ball one time now in overtime. So obviously, that is in large part uh, a direct result of what we saw last year, which by the way. It's pretty funny because as this role was announced, you heard so many people talking about Josh Allen not getting a chance. So obviously the Bills game played a big prominent role in that. But are you happy with that? What are your thoughts? And again, this is for the playoffs only. But now, right? if this would have been in place last year, the Bills would have had the ball. Could have went against them too if it would have been the other way around. What, what are your thoughts right now? 
Yeah, I've always been an advocate of both teams being able to get possession. It happened to KC just a couple of years ago as well uh, in that Patriots game that went overtime. D Ford went off sides, and I, I really thought KC was going to win that game. And there was mm-hmm. a little bit of uproar for that, and I, I was hoping it would change then. Then we didn't see the change. And so that was my immediate sort of reaction on the postgame show was, We've seen the NFL not embrace the change that they should embrace so many times, whether it was that instance, we've uh, had some hype on changing defensive pass interference, which I think is the one rule that needs the most change immediately. I think the defensive pass interference plays a huge role in games when it shouldn't. And the league's just slow to adapt to some of those things, but then they're quick to the uh, taunting comes out of nowhere and it's like a legitimate rule and it's getting called all the time. So the NFL is weird with what they will take on and what they won't take on in terms of new rules and, and getting some of that stuff done. But I think the interesting thing for bills fans is a lot of the other owners, a lot of the other coaches when they were asked about this rule change also brought up Josh Allen. Like this was the main part of the conversation. The catalyst of this conversation was Josh Allen was playing the best football game we've ever seen played in the and maybe NFL history him and Patrick absolutely absolutely and the game was probably the best game ever probably the best game ever and the bills came up on the short side of that stick only because the rules didn't allow Josh Allen to get another chance yeah the game just ended and I think anybody regardless of your fan beliefs if you're just a fan of football you felt a little bit disappointed in that you had this emotional investment you've never seen a game like that I had Patriots fans friends of mine texting me complaining that that rule they're like this isn't fair josh allen should have got the way he was playing that guy should have got another chance to go out and win that game he won the freaking game twice for this team and the only thing that stopped him was a rule which a coin toss allowed the other team to get the ball first and so this fixes at least that and i agree that uh, i'm happy that it's just the postseason only to start i don't know that you need this throughout the regular season it's a long regular season. There are you're gonna have to get that through the players association and, and get all these added rules approved by all them. That's too much. Add it for the postseason where it matters the most. You can take a loss in the in the regular season and get over that. But uh, a moment like that in the postseason, that's the end of your season. That's a lot of hard work. You know, a lot of uh, uh, sacrifice and stuff goes down to a coin flip, and that shouldn't be the way it is. Not in a multi billion dollar business with so much money on the line. Everything's on the line. It shouldn't come down to who gets the correct call it should both teams should have a chance to to answer that call and then at least we know if josh allen comes out and goes three and out then we know the bills weren't supposed to win that game but if he goes out and answers that then you know we're really talking about the greatest game in football let me you know what i mean with josh allen i'm a knee-jerk reactor i say this all the time i tend to overreact to stuff i don't think i'm overreacting when i say that i've never seen in my life and again i'm old man i've been watching football for a long time I've never seen a quarterback play better ever in the history of the NFL. I've never seen a quarterback make more clutch plays when everything seemed to go against him. than I seen Josh Allen in the fourth quarter and overtime and Patrick Mahomes, his credit was right there too. I, mean, I was going to say it was, they were, they were like, they were going, it was punch for punch. The yeah, absolutely. Game, yeah. Absolutely. I think Josh, because of some of the stuff he had to do with his legs to, to literally get first downs rushing. Although Mahomes evaded a lot of sacks too, mm-hmm. with his legs, but yeah, um, I, I will say this. And I like the rule. Too. I mean, for the playoffs only, too. I agree with that. The one thing I will say that I don't think people are talking about right now that I think is, first of all, there's not going to be a lot of, I, I didn't look up the numbers, but there's not going to be like a lot of playoff games that even go to overtime 
It's not. And, and yeah. let alone a lot where the one team gets the ball and scores and the other team. I mean, it happened to the Bills. It happened to Kansas City a couple years before that. So it's not something that's going to happen often. But you know what I think is going to be a direct result of this, Aaron? Is let's just pretend for the sake of discussion here that, and I, by the way, I got my Aaron Quinn pen right now. I got, got a pen in my hand. <laughs> I don't, habit, I don't, I don't go live that, without it, buddy. <laughs> uh, it's a habit that I got from you. But anyway, let's just pretend that things played out the way they did. Kansas City got the ball and they scored. Yeah. Under yeah. the new rules, the Bills get the ball. They get another possession, right? Mm-hmm. Josh Allen goes right down the field mm-hmm. and he hits Gabe Davis with his 19th touchdown of the game. Here's the difference. That game to me is ending one way or the other after that touchdown. Because if you're the Buffalo Bills, and I'm pretty sure another team would be the same way, you're going for two. Do you think, you know what I'm saying? You score, Kansas City scores, they're up seven. You score, you're down one. Are you going to kick an extra point and let Kansas City only need a field goal to win the game? Or do you trust your team, your offense to get three yards and win the game right there on a two-point conversion? I think it's going to be exciting and i think these games are going if it comes down to that it's going to come down to one play after a second touchdown i think as opposed to a third possession i don't know if people have been thinking about it from that angle but maybe if you're the I buffalo think... bills were you going to give kansas city the ball only needing a field goal the way the bills defense was playing hell no if you're if you're the bills yeah and you got another chance and josh allen scores a touchdown brings them down you're going for two you're going to try to win that game right there i think, think so? anyway NFL coaches are much more conservative than we give them credit for being like, even we talk about like McDermott uh, in Bill's Twitter universe, which I know isn't real life. Sean McDermott gets a lot of crap for being overly conservative, but he's actually one of the more aggressive coaches in the NFL by almost every measure. Mm-hmm. He's up there in the top five in all, in all the measures of aggressive coaching styles and decision-making. And I could see him, going for the tie and believing in his defense, even after what happened to him in KC. Like he's just in my mind, I could see him just saying, Hey, we just got to hold them. We got to get a three and out somewhere here, even though you haven't been able to do it all night. These coaches, for some reason, think that they can scheme it up and do it. So um, I think it'll be more on the table. I think those conversations will be pretty intense when it happens and like what what you're going to do, because (laughs) it's not a sure thing, right? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you get it and you, you win the game right there, but you are also allowing yourself to lose the game without even giving your defense a chance to make that stop. So it's, it's a, I don't know what the analytics are on the, it's not 50, 50 for sure. I'm sure it's better chances than 50, 50 going for two and converting it, but uh, definitely a conversation those analytics guys and the coaches are having. I'm sure that starts now. That's going to be one of those things that plays out in OTAs, especially in a Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean. I know he, fumbled away that 13 seconds but it doesn't take away from the type of preparation that they do i'm sure that they're going to go over those scenarios over and over again this summer about hey what happens when we get into overtime in the postseason what are those decisions that we're going to make if we score after they score what, what's going to happen are we going for two we're going to trust our defense well you know what what are the probabilities there yeah i agree all right good points let's take a real quick break and we're going to come right back and we're going to get into this uh buffalo bills second mock draft of our five-week series. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I'm back with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. You know, real quick. So last year, this is your second year of doing this with me. Um, last year we did, we, actually last year we did six of these. This year we're doing five. That's because a certain content creating group called Cover One is going to uh, actually be at the NFL draft this year, from what I understand. We're excited, yeah. We're, I know, good for, I'm just playing. That's, that's, that's really cool for you, man. I'm very happy. Yeah, right. we're excited to be headed. You know what the most exciting thing is going to be is um, I've known Eric for years now. I've been working for Eric, shoot, five years maybe? ish five six yeah i'm not even sure uh but it's been years and greg came on just a few years ago three or four years ago and i've seen greg a handful of times because he lives closer so he's in the area more but i've only seen eric in person like three times yeah and uh, all these years just you know if he happens to be home in the summer and things like that. you saw us, you met us that one i was with you for one time um so i think most exciting those are usually on like a day we go to training camp for a day hang out or we go over to a restaurant and meet and greet um so i'm excited to hang out with the guys we put so much work in together and you know really outside of my wife and the people i actually work with i probably talk to them the most we're always texted and messaged, you know sure. keeping cover one up and running and so we're texting talking all day and, and now we get to just kind of go and spend three days together doing the things that we love to do which is make buffalo bills content uh, we get to do it together so that's gonna be fun getting together with the guys you guys deserve it it's yeah. it'll be fun and again you'll put out some really good content you'll be there but anyway so we did one extra one last year and i went back and i wanted to look it up because i couldn't remember and i know you don't remember and i haven't told you by the way yeah. Who we drafted so, so many, we, yeah. Yeah, so these are yeah, we this is our last me. one. Is this yeah, our, this was this was our last one. This was our final mock draft last year. Um, I went back and I looked it up, and the first pick we can't we don't know if it would have been a good pick or not because nobody got Jacksonville didn't get to find out either. We ended up nah, settling ETN, on yeah. Travis ATN. I did go back and listen to most of our podcasts that last year, and ATN and Najee Harris were both on the board, and we ended up taking Travis ATN. And I, I'll tell you what, I'd stand by that right now, too. But anyway, that was our first round yeah. pick. In the second round, we drafted Elijah Molden, a corner for Tennessee, who, by the way, has been he, started, he was starting for them by the end of the year. Pretty good prospect. So I'd be pretty happy with those first two picks. The one that we kind of missed on last year, and he was one of our favorites during mock draft season, is we took in the third round um, Hamza um, Nat, Nasrul Adin. Yeah. Uh, I was at, 
hard time pronouncing. He went to the Raiders. I think he's with the Raiders. He really didn't do anything, which, by the way, we took him in round three. And that was probably the only one. Of all the mocks we did, I think we were always relatively close to where they got drafted, but he he lasted to the sixth round. Yeah, so. I remember him dropping a little bit. He was a this is that's a good reminder. Here, go ahead, finish, and then we can talk. Well, about that was it. one, and then I, I I got to the fourth round. So last year the Bills didn't have a fourth round pick, but we did trades in our final mock, and the Bills had two fifth rounders, and we ended up trading both of them, and we took a defensive tackle, Aleem uh, McNeil, who went to Detroit in the third round in the real draft. And I looked him up, man. He had a pretty nice rookie year. He had a couple yeah. sacks and some of like 35 tackles. He was a, a pretty good player. So that was our final mock draft last year. What were you going to say? And so we, we only picked four dudes? Yeah, we, we picked a couple at the end, and I didn't okay. give a shit at the okay. end. <laughs> I, I, say, what, I ran what, out what of time to go back and listen to the last 20 minutes of it. But Yeah, sure. Uh, Nazar Ladeen is an interesting one because I, I find myself having a tough time of pulling back from there's like a click thing that happens on Twitter where somebody comes out and says they love a prospect and then they've got like nice highlight videos. They have big size or something crazy, some crazy uh, 40 time or something like that happens. Mm -hmm. And everyone falls in love with this idea of what that player can be. And I, I, this happens to me too, Pat, I'm not saying, you know, this is, this isn't like a sub tweet conversation about anybody. I fall into this too, where, then Twitter starts building up this narrative about a player as, oh yeah, this is going to be the ultimate Swiss army knife player in the NFL. He's going to change the game. We got to get him. He's a fourth rounder. He's going to come in and be productive. He could be that big nickel, whatever it is. We all fall for it. And then the draft comes around and the guy goes three rounds later than you think buried on a depth chart. Maybe he'll be a good player. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. in a couple of years, he'll develop into a really nice player more times than not though. When we do look back on these mocks, I just did another thing where I looked up an article I did four years ago on a mock and like some of those players are already totally irrelevant. They're not around and you know what I mean? Like some of them have had gone on and had nice careers, but even last year um, we were all pounding the table for Obi Melifonwu. Yeah. The the Syracuse corner, the Syracuse corner. And everyone's like, Oh, the size. And you watch the highlights. And it's like, man, this guy can come in immediately and he could barely get on the field for the Detroit lions. It's funny you say that because in our last mock, I I did listen to it again up until at least the fourth round, you went back and forth. You were agonizing between him and Molden last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you just don't know. And so that's one thing I've been trying a couple of things. I've told people about these mocks, right? I, I said it last week on your show. It's a thought exercise primarily. Sure. Some of these ideas, like every time I post a mock, I get some guy in my mentions being like, oh, there's no way Hall's going to be there in the second round. There's no way this is going to happen. There's no way that guy's going to fall. Like it's an exercise. We don't know where guys are. People were telling me last year, there's no way Nazar Dean was going to make it to the third, right? Like there, there's always these ideas that we have. We spend so much time from really early January to now over analyzing these prospects and looking at big boards and taking other people's advice that we're not really sure how this is going to go. And so you have these big boards, you work with what you've got, you work with the information you have, but it's a thought exercise. We don't know if these guys are going to be here. We don't know if these guys are going to be any good. Like this is just a, a way to familiarize yourself with these prospects, start to learn. So when your team does draft them, you can already have a baseline of like, Oh yeah, that's a guy that I like. Oh yeah. That's a guy that I heard this about. Yeah. But people take these things way too seriously, Pat. Like every time I post one, somebody's like, there's no chance that thing's going to happen. Like, why didn't you just trade up and get this guy? And it's like, you guys are crazy. It's just an exercise. <laughs> you know, I look back to 
who the Bills actually drafted versus our last final mock draft last year. I really w- I wanted to ask you what would you prefer, but you can't because Travis mm. ATN didn't play. We have no idea what he's going to be as an NFL player. I mean, I'm you have a little bit of an idea, but until you see it, you don't know. But Travis ATN, Molden, Nazruddin, which may or may not be a loss, who knows, after one year, and McNeil, again, was pretty good versus uh, how did it play out? Rizzo, Boogie, Spencer yeah. Brown. Yeah, it's tough too. And then Doyle, That's I think, tough. was their fourth pick. And that's a great point, too, though, talking about uh, Greg Rousseau. Not once. We talked about edges a ton on this podcast last year because we it was it was either going to be a run on edges or corners at that and that first mm-hmm. round pick. And who are you going to get? Right. And I can't remember a single time that I mentioned Greg Rousseau as really. a first round pick. We I didn't boogie, even, We talked Boogie a, a pretty good amount. Talked Boogie a little bit, but it, I, not so much for a first round uh, no. that I remember. And so this is another thing to remember. We're hearing about some cornerback prospects, right? Like this year. And that's the main bills target is going to be cornerback prospect. But then you hear people like, Oh, well that's, it's a reach. If you take them in first round, well, you know what? Greg Rousseau at the time was considered a reach too, but we all talked ourselves into it and are fine where I think everybody's happy with Greg Rousseau and the player that we project that he can be. So again, at the same time, like we have these ideas of who these prospects are, but right up into the draft, nobody in really Bill's Mafia that I know me, I'm sure there's some content creators out there pounding the table for him, but the majority of us were not talking about Greg Rousseau. And then the next day we all talked ourselves into Greg Rousseau. So just mm-hmm. keep that in mind when we're doing these mocks. And <laughs> if somebody takes a cornerback that is considered by the consensus on Twitter, a second round guy, that maybe an NFL room has him as a first round guy. Cause that's exactly what the bills did with Greg Rousseau a year ago. Um, so when it comes to actual news that might affect our mock draft, say between one and two, although we didn't go to that position last week until the fifth round, I'll review last week's mock in just a minute, but Ryan Bates, mm-hmm. the offer was matched. The Chicago offer four years. Yep. I'm pleasantly surprised. I look like an idiot on Twitter. I wrote him off for the last week. Soon as I found out, You're not alone. soon as he went to his second team to visit, I'm like, somebody's going to front load a deal. The bills screwed themselves. Brandon B made a mistake. He should have gave him a second round tender, yada, 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 you know, an extra 1.5 million. I'm like, they just lost a, a guy who I thought was a pretty good guard. Anyway, that didn't back. He's yeah. back. Four so years. that offensive line is, and <laughs> I think Brandon Bean said something along the lines of he'll be competing for a starting right guard job. Yeah, he'll be competing and getting that money. Mm. Anyway, your offensive line, the starters for 2022, they're set. This probably means rest in peace. Thoughts of getting a guard at pick 25 because of Ryan Bates being back or does it? I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you because I'll tell you what you go back to last year. They had Hughes and Addison. They were looking a year into the future mm-hmm. and they took Rizzo in the first round. They took Boogie in the second round. They went Spencer Brown in the third round, even though they had Dawkins and Darrell Williams, who were two pretty established tackles. Darrell Williams was a pretty established tackle Yeah, after, uh, 2020 after 2020 mm-hmm. so my first my first instinct was like well guards out of play you know Kenyon green falls to them they ain't taking him zion 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 johnson falls on them they ain't taking him but again you got a gm now who's drafting as much for the future as he is for the present and we saw that last year yeah. do you still think that offensive guard is Definitely in play very early, especially when you consider the fact, Aaron, that Roger Saffold's here on a one-year deal. Right. And 
he's a good fit and I know why they brought him in, but he is also 33 years old, man. You know? Yeah. That's my thing is Saffold's a rent a player, right? Like, which is, I think is a upgrade probably for this year. I think he did slightly mm-hmm. upgrade. You were able to take what Feliciano and Daryl Williams money and put it into Saffold and Bates, which I think is fine. That's an upgrade for me. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think you've solidified this position going forward. And I still think that this is the position that has probably had the least amount of quality attention put to it. And it's affected Mitch Morris. So I'm glad that they extended. I'm glad that he's a part of the future here. But I would like to see more of a plan in place for the future of this position. It doesn't have to be that second round, but I think there's some guys throughout this draft and throughout these mocks that we can take maybe in the fourth, fifth round even that will be available that maybe a year with Cromer and behind with the Saffold teaching him how to do things can come in and take that role over. And as much as I like Rick Bates uh, here, it was a five game, five or six game stretch of him playing well. And I'm glad that he did. And I have hope for him that he can be able to continue that. And maybe some of that plays his floor and we can have a really good above average interior offensive lineman. But I don't know that that's the case, right? Like, and, and I saw even a lot of bears Twitter was upset that they didn't get him, but then they were kind of talking like, Hey, this is a small sample size for a guy. He might not be the player that he finished the year on. So we'll see uh, from him. But I, I don't know that if they did draft the guy early, I don't, I think that Brandon beans right in saying that he's going to have a chance to compete for that starting job and they're not going to give it to him. They're going to make him compete for it. Um, getting Ike Bacher back was also a nice thing that you're probably not going to see him early in the year here, but at least that he'll probably be available for that late season playoff push, at least as depth interior offensive line. Again, even if Rick Bates is the starter and you have Saffold as the starter, I I don't think it's going to hurt them to continue to draft and load these offensive lines for future development. No, not after what we saw from Spencer Brown last year, who was going to come in and be a developmental guy, injuries forced him in, and he showed that he could play uh, right away. Right now, I feel like the the only position on this football team, well, there's two, and we're going to head on real quick. Then we're going to fly through the strap. But right now, the only position where I could see them picking someone where day one, this guy could potentially start is corner. And Mm -hmm. that's because they let Levi Wallace walk, which again, this it's been weeks now and I'm at least mildly, I'm not shocked. I wasn't stunned that he left and I wasn't even stunned that he left on a two year, $8 million deal with Pittsburgh. The money's not that much. And we've talked about this. That makes you think that maybe this had a little bit more to do with uh, football personnel thinking than not just the money. I, I have a hard time believing that they couldn't afford $4 million for uh, proven a guy who's started for them for, what, three years? That they couldn't afford for a million, right. $4 million for him. Maybe this was a thought, and I talked about this last week um, with, with somebody else. Maybe the, the thought was maybe Levi didn't want, for whatever reason, we don't know. But maybe Levi was upset about the way things finished in that Kansas City game. And maybe he was, some people might have held him as a scapegoat for looking like he was out of position, although he was probably doing what he was coached to do in that defense, that scheme. Maybe he had something to do with wanting to leave as much as the Bills not being able to retain him. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Uh, At least we we certainly don't know right now. But anyway, my point was this. Aaron Corner right now seems to be the one position where if they were to draft somebody in the first round, he's got a good chance to really come in and start from day one. Uh, Gardner, Stingley, Booth. They're not going to, it's very unlikely any of them will be available at 25. So then you look at that next level and you got Trent McDuffie, uh, Kerry Lamb, and Roger McCreary. They appear to be like that next three. If you're going to keep your pick at 25, you don't make a move up or move down. 
Um, so you got those guys, and we'll see how the draft plays out in just a couple minutes here. But you talked about, and you drafted them last week, Cam Tiller Britt in the third round. That could be a guy that they like. And uh, Kobe Bryant, we talked about him last week. And ultimately didn't end up Tariq Woolen uh, yeah, is another yeah, guy that uh, probably second round you can get your hands on. We agree that corner is going to be addressed. We just are, – are you ready to call it a lock, especially after Bates resigning? Some people have said corner is now a lock. Are you ready to call this a lock? Yeah. First pick. It does seem and very at first obvious. Pick, at first pick. Yep. Uh, at no. the first pick. No, I'm never going to call anything a lock. That would a near lock. At first pick. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably the closest they've been since the Josh Allen. You knew they were taking the quarterback, right? Like, I think it's the closest they've been to a glaring hole in the starters, uh, mostly because of Trey's injury. I think if Trey wasn't injured and he was going to be there day one, I think a lot of people could talk themselves into Trey and Dane Jackson, the way Dane Jackson performed for the most part. And if he takes another jump, you can have maintain a floor at cornerback too. Mm-hmm. You can work with, I think everybody's antsy because Trey's injury could linger into November. And now you don't even have a cornerback one on the roster right now. Dane Jackson's cornerback one, and nobody feels great about that. But Brandon Bean said, you know, and I take him at his word here, face value about Trey's injury is separate from needs they're treating them as two separate things and they're not going to change their mode of operation due to that now whether or not that's true i don't know but i think corner is so i believe best player available is like a weighted scale right you get to 25 and you have a list of players that are in that range they might not all be first rounders usually so for a little insight when at cover one when we're talking about our big boards and who's a first round grade and second round grade. There's no years where we have 32 first round guys, right? Like some years we have 12 first round guys. Some years it's 15 to 19, but it's never 32 first round guys. So when you're picking at 25, there's a good chance that you're getting a guy with a second round grade late second round, even. So, you know, just to throw that out there for a little bit of transparency that that sort of thinking exists. And then, uh, Within that is need, right? So you have probably five, six guys at 25 that you're comfortable taking, and then it works down from need. But if you have an instance like last week where we had Jordan Davis sitting there at 25, but then you have Elam is the next cornerback on the board, and maybe you have him graded as a mid-second-round player, are you going to pass up a guy that you have graded as a a true first round player or right. top 15 player to take a player that you have ranked in the thirties because of positional need. I don't know. There's scales to weigh. Do we feel comfortable if we take Jordan Davis, that cam Taylor Britt isn't a huge drop off from this guy that we have rated here. Like, so those are the conversations that are happening in the war room, but none of it's cut and dry of, uh, you know, you have 32 first round value guys. And if it's a first round value corner, we're going to take them in the first round. Like it's not as simple as that. So any of these ideas that some pick is going to be a lock, they have no idea how this board is going to fall. There could be a run on corners and Elam could go before the bills are drafting. And now you're down to really late second round guys at 25 that you're reaching to take for corner to fill it. Sure. We don't know how it's going to play. So to, the idea that it's a lock, I think they'll take one in this draft. I think the Bills will probably be comfortable taking one in those first three rounds and knowing what they're able to do to get the most out of cornerbacks. Like I, I just think we as fans have this idea of what they need at that position and the value that we put on that position. And I don't know if it matches what the Bills are, are up to uh, at one Bills drive and what they believe they can get out of 
corners, maybe a second, third round guy. I fully agree with you a hundred percent. And I would say this, like say a fan duel had bets right now on what position will the bills address with their first pick corner, obviously is going to be the, the betting favorite, but I'm going to tell you, man, a sleeping pick for me is running back in the, with the first pick much of the chagrin of Bruce. Nolan. That, yeah. I say that because of the JD McKissick signing All right now. I know they signed uh, Duke Johnson. Mm-hmm. I get that. But to me, Duke Johnson, and I've owned him in fantasy football. I think every year he's been in the NFL at some point on one of my teams, man. To me, he's another Brita. He's another TJ Yeldon. I think he might have moments. He might have a couple games. He'll be inactive a lot. I, I just, I, I could be wrong, and I hope I am. But I, I think he's that type of player. But McKissick was signed originally, and obviously he ended up back with Washington. I think he had a significant role on this team. Like, he wasn't. He wasn't going to be another Breida, and he wasn't going to be another TJ Yeldon. I think he was in line to have a significant role on this football team. That's just my opinion. Obviously, mm-hmm. we'll never know now. But I think if there's one veteran in this group, somebody that nobody's talking about right now, that I think might be in trouble when this draft's over, I think it might be Zach Moss. I, I don't know why. Fair. I think, I think McKissick was, I think Zach Moss would have been the third. Now, look. Cutting Zach Moss financially ain't going to save shit. You know what I'm saying? Now, maybe sure. Zach Moss becomes the uh, TJ Yeldon, and he spends sure. a lot of inactive time waiting for to get an opportunity. But I think he can easily be the odd guy out. Not necessarily Duke Johnson if the Bills were to go running back as early as round one. And there's a couple really good ones. We ended up in our mock draft last week, we ended up getting a, uh, a running back in the second round who ended up, ended up being the uh, – the first running back off the board. Let's recap that too. I'm going to go pull up last week's mock draft. So this was version one, Aaron and Quinn and I did. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle, fell to us at 25. We couldn't pass him up. Not a need. Couldn't pass him up. Round two, we took Kenneth Walker to third, running back from Michigan State. Round three, Cam Taylor Britt, the corner we talked about from Nebraska. Round four, we got a receiver, uh, Vilas Jones Jr. from Tennessee. Cam Jurgens and a guard, interior lineman. We got in the fifth round. And then we got a, uh, Johnny Thomas, a safety from Georgia Tech, and Jalen Naylor, wide receiver from Michigan in the sixth. And then in the seventh round, we took Aaron Hansford, a linebacker from Texas A&M. Last week was a fun exercise because, again, things happened that we didn't expect. Jordan Davis falling to 25, which, for the record, I don't think there's any real chance that's going to happen. But it did in our draft, and we couldn't sure. uh, pass that up. But Kenneth Walker, we took a running back in the second round. Yeah. If him or Hall or somebody – like maybe Hall and I've seen some. Filler. I think Daniel Jeremiah might have been his latest mock draft. He had the Bills taking him at twenty five. Yeah. So I've seen it. I've seen a couple of people talk about Hall at twenty five. Uh, and every time I've taken Hall in a mock and posted it, people are like, "No way, he's there fifty seven. Which again, I can't help the Draft Network's big board mm-hmm. has him there. And the Draft Network big board is going to be tough for us. We've got what four, five more of the or four more of these. Uh, four, mocks. including this one, yeah. Yeah, including this one. And if it continues to fall the way that I've seen them falling, where the running backs where the running backs are stacking around to, you guys are gonna see me taking running backs a whole lot here. Uh, because if you can get a guy that any one of those three guys, I'm not one of these people that pounds the table about running backs in the first round. I don't care. I don't care about your first round values or any of that. We're picking twenty fifth pick, right? I just want to add good football players to a team that's just needs a little nudge to get over to becoming the Super Bowl team this year. And so if you can get a running back that's going to be a dynamic player for Josh Allen, do it. If you can get a guy that I would take at 25 at 57, oh, Jesus, that's a no-brainer. That's a grand slam for me. So I'm happy to do it, um, but it definitely gets a lot of hate. It sparks a lot of conversation on 
on Twitter about the value of running backs. It does. And I'll say this too about the running backs. Um, I, I do think one of those three could be on the board at 57 in real life. I don't think all three of them will be on the board like they were for no. us uh, last week. And running back, one last point here, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Devin Singletary is going in the final year of his contract. Bills, maybe they don't want to pay him a big second contract, especially right. if he plays well this year. So taking him running back at 25-57, very realistic. So here's what we're going to do, man. We're going to fire this up. We won't spend as much time talking about the players because we're already 45 minutes in. I just Yeah, let's fire through a draft. I can't seem to shut myself up. Um, yep. if, if you're listening to this, great. If you're watching on YouTube, it probably this experience will be better, which, by the way, talking podcast. I mean, we're handsome. We're pretty handsome. YouTube. So you look pretty good tonight, man, by the way. So let me, uh, let me, let me fire this up. And by the way, well, I don't know how that happened last week, but somehow, some way when the draft was done, I had to go back and listen for our picks because I lost you know, the, uh, I lost what happened to the picks. But anyway, um, to recap for people, we're using the draft network model. They are simulating the other 31 teams in the NFL. We have no control who gets picked in front and after us. And we're, we're no gonna, trades. No yeah. trades this week. We will have trades next week. Maybe. And, uh, we'll see, when, when we'll see what the, the offers clock. are. Um, I, Yeah, next. Well, next, I don't I don't even have the. the no, no, I was going to say next that. week we'll see what the offers Yeah, well, next week, yeah, we're going to go through the offers. We'll spend more time doing the mock draft next week because there will be trades, you know, available for sure. us. So anyway, seven rounds, normal speed. Uh, Let's start the draft. We're kicking it. it off. And again, if you're watching this on YouTube, you could see it on your screen. If not. Yeah. Um, you're listening so from time to time, to... I'll read off any names of interest uh, that I, at least that I'm interested in. So we already have two corners off the board at nine and 10, mm-hmm. uh, two more off the board at 12 and 13. So it was Andrew Booth and McDuffie off the board. Jordan Davis is already off the board here. Here's the situation where Elam's off the board at 16th overall. So now you're really you have uh, a number of corners. Daxton Hill is another one who he's listed as a safety, but I've heard rumors that he could play corner. Um I don't know if the Bills would be interested in that, but he's off the board. Jahan Dotson's off the board, which is another popular pick for the Bills. If you scroll down on the um, who's been picked so far, so Zion Johnson, a guy we were just talking about, maybe do you take him as the interior offense lineman? He's mm-hmm. already off the board. Um, Drake London, a wide receiver that I know some folks like, he's gone. So then uh, let's go scroll over to the players available. So, well, here, uh, here, this is interesting right off the bat for me, Aaron, because, yep. and I remember this now from last year as well. This didn't happen to us in the first week. I don't think this board played out very well for the Bills in terms of players like positions that they might have necessarily want to target, especially if it's a corner or even a wide receiver. Now, we're not obviously not going to even take a second look at quarterbacks. Now, again, Rick Bates signing, and now you got me calling him Rick instead of Ryan. But anyway, Kenyon Green is on the board for us. Here is a predicament that I didn't know. It didn't happen last week, and, and I haven't yet to see a mock where he would last there. But I see a... And we haven't spent a second talking about this. A linebacker on the board right now, Devin Lloyd, who is pretty highly touted. I see him going yeah, like in the top Lloyd. ten to fifteen, pretty much everywhere. I feel like he has to to warrant some type of uh, consideration at this point. It's hard that both these are hard. So Kenyon Green is a guy that I'm not actually as high on. I like Zion Johnson a lot more. I don't know that I'm super high on Green. Um, tough value to pass up here for sure. If there was a trade scenario, this might be a spot that makes trade as trade sense because you've got that fifth round pick, which would have, or I mean, you have the first round pick, which would have that fifth year option. You have two quarter quarterbacks on the board with uh, Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. So if you had a team that was interested in coming up to get a quarterback, this would be a good spot. And then they get that fifth year option on a project quarterback type Mm -hmm. thing. Um, You only have whatever six picks left to get that fifth year option. 
in on a guy. So I, I could see a team being interested in trading. So this would be maybe a possible trade back scenario for you. But so with these players available, yeah, I think this is where you're having that argument Pat, of um, player value on your board versus need uh, and what you can get out of a guy right now. So yeah, you have a uh, green Lloyd, uh, Chris Olave, who's a guy I like a lot. I would love mm-hmm. to add him to this offense. Traylon Burks is a guy that a lot of people like. I, I don't hate Traylon Burks, but I don't, he's not a guy that really I'm running the card up for. Uh, Ajabu is a dude who got hurt towards Achilles in his pro day, which is just heartbreaking heat to see, but he's a guy that I would love to take, even though you're all set at edge with some youth here, I wouldn't mind adding an edge. Um, but if I'm looking at this list, I think my pick here would be Lave. I think I would just add a dynamic, fast, super fast wide receiver to to give Josh Allen more weapons. I'm kind of addicted to this idea of just loading Josh's cupboard up and see what happens. Well, I mean, you're the GM, so ultimately yeah. you're going to make the pick. We're going to take him. I would have a hard time with Lloyd, and I'm thinking about maybe beyond this year. But It's tough. I get what you're saying. Well, we we made this election with Olive, and, and let me say this: and Lloyd too. went off the board, and Green went off the board right away. Yeah, now I'm, I'm looking to see how these running backs play out because, again, sure. I hope they don't all get to 57 because, again, this this will feel completely unrealistic to me if they're all there. I'm not, I guess you never know. But anyway, back to receiver as Walker's this is getting to us. Walker is off the board. Good, um, because we took him last week, so it kind of mix it up a little bit. I don't know, man. I think they like Jameson Crowder and McKenzie is their fourth receiver. You, you draft a receiver at 25 and then you're but, basically saying, uh, McKenzie, you might, you're in trouble already. He you know? is. He is though. His, his job's not guaranteed. He's in the same position True. that he was a year ago. He, he's gotten on a, a cheap deal. There's not going to be a lot of money to walk away from him. Um, if you can improve that, then all for it. And then the Plus Crowder's Crowder, here one year too. Cr- Crowder yeah. similar to Saffold, right? We were just talking about, could you take a interior offensive lineman early on? And, you know, this might be a situation where Alave takes a little bit of time to learn the pro game or, I mean, God, it's also okay to have embarrassment of riches. We saw last year with Emmanuel Sanders going down, how quickly your depth of the wide receiver room can get tested. Good point. I, I'd feel much better knowing that you have Jamison Crowder and Alave back there versus trying to fit Isaiah McKenzie into a receiver role that I'm not sure that he's ready to take. So I'm okay with adding wide receiver there. Um, but now we're in a predicament a little bit here because Kyler Gordon is off the board, which is a, a cornerback I like. He's a uh, so he went to Pittsburgh at 52, which is actually a little bit closer than I, I've seen him get there. You usually have to trade up quite a bit to get him. Uh, Tariq Woolen uh, is another cornerback that I really like. He's off the board. George Pickens, although we just took a wide receiver, he's a wide receiver I like there in the second round. If you went a different direction, um, if you scroll down there on the who's been drafted side uh christian watson a wide receiver i like kenneth walker went at 45 um let's see here yeah that's about it okay scroll well up. So, I, I, I think you're left here with a predicament because i got two of the three running backs you got hall yep, again yep. we just talked about a lot of people are taking him in the first round and spiller totally. as well and then you got a corner if you like roger mccrary he's there too so you kind of got a dilemma right yeah. now you know I like Travis Jones a lot too, even though the Bills just did a lot at interior defensive line. So they're probably not going to go that route uh, with Travis Jones there, but I do like him Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Uh, I think for this draft, um, just because so I don't get killed uh, on the on the Twitter, I think I'm going to go with McCreary. Let's take a corner. 
early. Okay. Done deal. Roger McCray. By the way, write these down just in case something happens here. And uh, so we took the receiver and we took McCreary. All right. So we're loading up and we're getting to the third round right now. Um, all right. So we got a corner and we got a receiver. Two skill position yep. players. I look by the all way. Still sitting there, man. I'd have trouble not trading up. They both would have an opportunity, I think, to to play right away. And I think maybe in McCreary's case, he can, why not come in and have an opportunity to start right away? Sure. Hall's Take off the board. Pick. Um, he just came off the board here. James Cook, a running back that I would have loved to have taken here in the third, just came off the board. Uh, that kind of hurts a little bit because that was a little bit what I was banking on, not taking a running back last round, was that James Cook would be sitting there and I could take him. Um, so let's see who else is off the board. Calvin Austin, the third, although we already have a wide receiver in this draft, but he, yeah, you've talked talk him up pretty well. Yeah, he'd be a guy that'd be around here now. Um, Chad Muma. Uh, is off the board another linebacker prospect that you could take i feel that linebacker thing going back to that first round i'd feel more comfortable taking a linebacker now than i would then so uh all right let's see what's here there's a, there's a lot of tight ends at the top of the uh draft network <sighs> like up to available board i'm not really sure that i want to go touch a tight end any part of day one or day two i don't know um, this is tough though dude because like if oj howard doesn't pan out to be the player that he was projected to be you still have that sort of sure. need there. And I like, I like Isaiah likely. I like Jeremy Rucker uh, quite a bit, I don't, but I agree with you. That's a tough. There, it'd be tough eight. to get a path, a path to the playing field yeah, for a tight end this year. Tough. Now, if you're looking into the future, sure. OJ, Howard's was in a one-year deal. And until Dawson Knox ends up resigning or getting extended, you know, you never yeah. know what could happen, man. It is, tight yeah. end salaries have exploded too. So, my opinion sure. would be a terrible pick. I just all I'm saying is taking tough. one in the third round. I don't think you're going to get on the field this year. Minus an injury. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, and then Cam Taylor Britt's still there. I don't. We could go corner back to back again. Did we do that last week? Um, here, scroll down, see who else is uh, available here. Cam Taylor Britt. I like JoJo Doman uh, also out of Nebraska. Let's see what linebackers are available or running backs are available right now. Maybe we'll go to running backs. Uh, yeah, I think we can wait a little bit. I'd like to get maybe Pierce later on. Uh, if we can wait a little bit, where is he? Williams from Notre Dame's a guy I selfishly like. I don't know if he's. Gonna I like Williams a lot. Yeah, but we could probably get him maybe in the, like the sixth or something. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the fifth. Uh, all right, let's go back to regular view. And my uh, so I'm going to give us three options here quick to talk through real quick so we don't spend too much time on this. I'm going to ask you either Jerry Rucker, the tight end out of Ohio State, um, Jojo Doman, who is the linebacker out of Nebraska, or Cam Taylor Britt, who is the cornerback out of Nebraska. These are three players I'd like. Who I, that's who sort of I'm struggling with mentally of, you know, who would I take here right now? Do we back up? Do we double dip at corner? I'm happy to do it. Uh, Jojo Doman, I think, is a more of a Matt Milano style linebacker, but could be a special teamer. And who knows? If, I think a lot of people are assuming that Tremaine Edmonds is the the guy that's going to be gone because Milano's already had a contract. But I could see an extension getting done with Edmonds and then Milano being the guy they move on from uh, if, if he's a little bit easier to replace. And then, like we just talked about with the tight end position, there's no there's it's more likely than not, no matter how the scenario goes, either. 
OJ Howard isn't as spectacular as we think he's going to be. And he's only on a one-year deal and maybe they just move on from him or he's spectacular and he has that breakout year and the bills won't be able to afford to bring him back anyway. And they're going to get a compact out of the deal. So I think you need something in the tight end room in the future. Either way. I like, I like the idea of double dip it on the corner because first of all, the bills did it twice last year. They did it defensive end and they came right back and then did it again with the offensive tackle. And, and again, none, of those, still a none, of those, none of those guys were drafted to start. Trey White being 100% is not a certainty before the season starts. And again, Dane Jackson played pretty well last year. He was certainly serviceable. But give me McCreary and Britt. First of all, let them battle. One of them will be the third corner or whatever. And uh, you got really good corner depth, I think. I, I, and it's right, moved to the future, it. too. So I, I'm good with that. You're good with it, too? Yeah, I'll take him, Taylor, Britt, and every single. All He's right, my well, draft rush this year. So I'll We take might do that. All right. Well, we're two for two. We're going to the fourth round, and while it's loading up, I want to ask there. you a hypothetical. Yeah. Maybe you think I'm fucking crazy, and this is the fry. guy. I almost made it a full hour without swearing. But let's just say, because there is one punter on this draft board right now, Correct. the only one. Yep. If he was there, is the fourth round too early to draft a punter, regardless of how good he is? I don't know, man. It's hard. I This is one of those things where maybe I'm – blinded by bills mafia on twitter because if you don't take a punter at this point in a draft people are going to f- just butcher you they're going to butcher you so if you wait too long he is going to get taken um well we're on the board we're on, on the board the he's the now. top player available <laughs> the top player on the board it's almost like i knew that shit was going to happen yeah. somehow um you're not he's not going to play much but i mean from what i understand and i'm no expert i'm certainly no punter expert um, but I've heard that this guy has the potential to come into the league and be one of the best punters in the NFL immediately. Uh, I mean, it is a position you could solidify yeah, in the fourth round. But sure. you also look at like, all right, this could be a position where maybe, because we haven't touched running back yet, we haven't touched right. tight end or a linebacker or something like that. You could add depth to your roster, or you could go get a guy who's going to be your punter. Okay, interior offensive line. So let's scroll down to the players that are, well, let's see who just got drafted, first of all. Uh Kyron Williams gone, a guy that you. Where liked. did he go, by the way? So he went to the New England Patriots. Disgusting. Now I gotta hate him. Yeah, I go from loving Disgusting. him to I go over hating him. And by yeah. the way, he went three picks before the Bills yeah. were up. Alec Pierce, wide receiver out of Cincinnati, a dude I like quite a bit. If you didn't go early wide receiver, I think that I think he could be a nice guy eventually. Uh, let's see. Jojo Doman went to the New York Giants um, at uh, one twenty one or one twelve. That's about it, I think, from that mm-hmm. fourth round there. Okay, so then let's look over here. So we got uh, Matt Arizia, uh, the punter up there. Um, Velas Jones Jr., a guy we took last week. I don't think you're going to double dip a wide receiver. No. For not that if you, kind not of player. If you take one in the first round. No. No. Um, scroll down a little bit more here. A little more. Kobe Bryant, we, I, we can't take another corner. Hassan <laughs> Haskins is a, a running back that I wouldn't hate as that third running back. I think you could more lean on him as like a pound the rock kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might just be the Michigan fan in me speaking. Um, again, Cam Jurgens is still down there. So we could add some stuff still. Um, I, I think you're going to see some other interior offensive linemen past Cam Jurgens. So, hell, let's let's take a punter. Let's go in the fourth round and take a punter. And I think that we still have plenty of opportunities here with these next three picks I think we have left. It, it hurts my heart to pick a punter. It hurts my heart to take it, but I have to. And I'll tell you one trend, and, and part of the fun of doing these with you every week is starting to notice a trend. And now I'm noticing that Kobe Bryant has been there for the taking twice. We haven't taken him yet. 
because we went with Britt. But now I'm thinking that maybe, you know, the way this plays out, we might be able to go with. Uh, you could take a corner in that first back two back picks and then back it up with Kobe Bryant versus Cam Taylor Britt being right. your second. I get right. it. Right. All right, so we're working towards the fifth round. So we've went, what have we went so far? We went receiver. Olave, McCreary, Cam Taylor Britt, and punter. All right, man. Super punter in the, punter in the fourth round. I, I, I don't. I got. I'd have to look it up. I don't know when the last time a punter has been taken that high in the in the NFL draft. But again, it's a position that it's a position that we won't have to worry about. And it was bad last year. It didn't happen. They didn't punt often, but he was really bad. So and he, Matt Hawk, and he's not going to be back by the way. Yeah, but, I think that you're not going to want to hear it, but him learning how to hold might be a thing. We might have to figure that out. Yeah, I guess you could we'll come see. down and hold from the stands. Yeah, right. All right. So, all right. So now we're here in round five. I don't know if you want to take a look at a couple of the guys that it went before the Bills are on the clock here, which is at yep. pick 168. Yeah, nothing standing out to me. Crazy. If you want to scroll real quick, Jack Cohen, uh, cornerback, quarterback at a Notre Dame. My man, you know, Notre Dame. Yeah, I know a lot of people like this idea of taking a quarterback still. Um, as Fifth round wouldn't be bad. You think maybe guy. he could develop into a competent number two at some point, right? Yeah, I don't know. I watched enough Notre Dame games to not love him, but um, he came on. He came. He was on, terrible. Yeah, he was. Terrible. Yeah, he was pretty bad. He had some pretty but, bad games. But then he, but then he came on. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, I can already tell you right now. I know we're kind of biting off last week, but you took him last week in this spot, and I really liked him a lot. I read up on him after you drafted him last week. Cam Jurgens, that's an, another guy I really wouldn't mind uh, targeting here again. I think we did that last week, too. We did, and the other guy would be Smith out of uh, Virginia. Where is he? Uh, yeah, the Virginia Tech, the interior offensive line. I'm going to butcher his name, Lectis Smith. Oh, yeah, uh, yep, yep. You talked about him last week, yeah. too. Um, that would be maybe a guy that I would take. He's probably more of a guard prospect uh, than I think Jurgens is probably more of a center prospect that can be a rotational he can play guard or play center um so i that is the thing i like about jurgens is right now i don't know who that john feliciano backup swing interior offensive lineman is right now um i think maybe bacher would be it if healthy but he's not healthy so i'm happy to take jurgens here but smith would be a guy that i'd be also happy to take at this spot if you scroll down a little bit more uh i think chris paul will probably still be on the board um he might be even further down thomas booker is a dude uh interior defensive lineman really um you know i was talking to eric over at cover one and early on in this process we were talking about him being kind of like a poor man's harrison phillips out of stanford like similar build same type of big motor guy uh chris paul's down there at 194 so that'd be another guy maybe if you didn't take or maybe we double dip at interior offensive lineman when it comes available but uh i'd be happy to take cam jurgens here again and continue that streak yeah, I like him. Like I said, I read up bottom after you took him last week. Yeah, and so Kobe uh, Bryant's sitting up there at the top. Obviously, we've uh, already taken two corners. <laughs> He's sitting there, but this is this is what I'm saying. Like again, we don't know if these players will end up being anything, but in terms of needs and what we're learning about these players, it feels pretty good in terms of how the Bills' needs line up with the players that are available. I agree, and, and you know what? It might be time to start studying up on Britt and Kobe Bryant because if one of these sure. corners are good enough, if you come to that conclusion. Hey, maybe you don't need to go get a corner at 25 or even 57 sure. under that circumstance. You know, you mentioned Ike Bakker as this is getting ready to roll now towards the sixth round, which we're about to be there. So let's just say Ike Bakker gets back and he's healthy. And you brought up something that got me thinking. If Mitch Morris had a significant injury, 
Could you see a scenario where maybe Bates, who does play center, has played center, could go to center and Bacher could go to guard, and that would be how maybe. they would how they would replace Mitch Morse? Sure. No. Anyway, all right. So we're okay. here at the we're here in the sixth round now. Yep. And uh, I think the Bills got two picks in the sixth round. Yeah. If I'm correct, do. anyway. Yeah. All right. So for now, we'll see if that how how long they keep those. Um. So off the board, I'm not seeing a Smith went to the Bengals, which they need all the help they can get on that line still. So. Uh, that makes sense. Um, keep going, scrolling down there real quick. Nothing. Kobe Bryant went to the Packers a, a couple picks after us there. So, all right, let's look over who's available. Um, Reed Blankenship, I, oddly enough, out of Middle Tennessee, was a guy that I liked last year a little bit. Um, not very athletic. Doesn't jump off screen, but he's always making plays. He's one of these, like, he's a, a white guy, safety, who's, like, not a super athletic dude, but he's Wasn't just he jumps off. Wasn't he in the off. draft last year? I feel like I, I he, his name sounds so familiar to me. I think he was, and then he pulled out of it, maybe. Uh, he was not, he could have gone back to school, and so I think he did just go back to school, but he was, okay. in, he was in mock drafts and stuff like that. I remember um, the name. Yeah, anyway. yeah, he's a dude that pops off. I don't know that the Bills want to take a safety there, but he and that, or whether or not he's a fit. But at the very least, I could see him being a huge special teams type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, which is we're kind of in that spot. Thomas Booker is a guy I like a lot. Again, an interior defensive line might be really tough for a three tech type guy to break into this roster today. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't have him as a developmental guy here down the road. Um, so that, that'd be a name that I'm looking at here. Scroll down a little bit further here. Chris Paul sitting there, man. I like Chris Paul. He's a mean dude. He's a big dude. Uh, I'd be happy to add him into this interior offensive lineman as well. And then, uh, Wanye Thomas, a guy we took last week, he might be there again at our next pick, but he's another kind of sort of in the same line as Nazar Ladeen, maybe a little less athletic, but kind of a tweener linebacker safety no one's really sure where to put that guy i have a hard time not falling for those kind of guys so i guess for me it would be down to what was it chris paul and thomas or yeah thomas booker um and i think the need chris paul would probably fit in maybe a little bit better in the immediate of depth at interior offensive line yeah i like it do you want to pull the trigger yeah let's do it all right chris not to be confused with the point guard for the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. All right, interior <laughs> offensive lineman out of what was that, Tulsa? Yeah. All right, man, we're we're rolling along here. Almost done. I think we got two more picks left. Two more picks coming right up here. Maybe if I didn't spend twenty minutes talking about uh, Will Smith and, and Phil Collins, <laughs> that's all right though. Where so are we at? Here? Thomas Booker went off the board of the Patriots. Man, Patriots are getting a bunch of our yeah, guys. They're getting the like guys that. you like. The, so the New like England that. Patriots are having a really good mock draft version too right now. At least Aaron, yeah, Quinn, uh, Aaron Quinn mock draft at least. Reed Blankenship went to the Ravens. I feel like that'd be a good spot for him actually. Yeah, I'm um, sure. Trying to see where else. Isaac Taylor Stewart, cornerback out of USC, is a guy that I'm going to get a little bit more eyes on. He's always available. He's always out there. And some of the reports I've read on him are all right. And this is the thing we got to keep in mind as Bills fans. Again, I've said it multiple times. They're going to get more out of corners. And so sort of that conversation that you were having earlier about, you know, reading up on a Kobe Bryant or even a, a Cam Taylor Britt type of guy is your point was maybe they don't have to take a, a corner early on, but I think maybe it gives you insurance that you could maybe draft the guy on traits like an Elam draft, the guy yeah. that's fast and big and, 
maybe he's struggled in zone and maybe struggling and stuff. And so while he develops, you have a guy that's floor is a little higher, more like a Levi Wallace that you can bring in. And at the very least you have a steady player that you know what you're going to get out of, but you draft a high traits guy early on as a gamble that, Hey, if he does pan out to who we think we're going to be, we're going to have two top elite athlete corners in Trey white and this other guy. And if it doesn't work out, we've got, Kobe Bryant or uh, Cam Taylor Britt as a, a backup insurance plan. So that's our sort of how I see that falling out. But to this pick here, 203, Wanye Thomas is one you're going to have a tough time, man. I yeah. really like this guy. I don't know why. He's probably never going to do anything in the NFL. He'll probably be totally uh, you know, out of the league in five, six years. But I, I like him. Jalen Naylor is a, a guy we took last week. I don't know that they need to stock up on wide receivers in that type of way. Yeah, I can't um, see them taking two receivers in tough. a draft, especially if one of them's at 25 like we took, man. It'd be I tough, yeah. Almost no path to the roster. It's I mean, hard. You never know, but. I mean, McKenzie could lose his job. That That's not guaranteed. Steve, uh, Marcus Stevenson could lose his job again. No guarantee, but. McKenzie might lose his job with our first round pick already. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, this Bill's roster is at this point. We're in the sixth round that these guys might not make the roster no matter who we pick. Yeah, uh, we saw it last year. Guys didn't make the roster, ended up on other teams. So, I mean, we're looking really, you're looking who are guys that can contribute on special teams, who are guys that can contribute to the practice squad. Uh, so, for the special teams aspect, I really like Wanye Thomas. All right, let's I, take, I him. take him. All right, we're taking Wanye Thomas, a safety from. I think Georgia that's how you say his name, right? Wanye. Well, it's it's how you and I are going to say his name anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Till we find out otherwise. All right, so we are now headed in seventh round and our final pick here. This is where we should be taking a punter, but everything's all out of whack. There's no way he would have lasted this long. I think the next time, now that we know the punter's on the board, maybe we don't take him and see where where, where he ends up. Okay, that's a good point, and that's fun. And again, this is part of this exercise that we talk about doing every week is not even so much who the Bills end up, who we end up taking for the Bills, but how the board's playing out and how some guys are consistently there or sometimes are there. And then sometimes they're not. All right, so the Bills are on the clock. Pick one, uh, what's this, 231. So this is their last pick. Yeah. Can we don't you need to overthink this. Running backs available? We did yeah. not take a running back in this draft. So that's one of these things. Is again, to the point of the exercises, we, we passed in that second round to take one of the top three running backs, at least, because Hall and Spiller were there in the second round. Mm-hmm. We didn't take either one of those guys. Hall looked like he might be there in the third round, and then he wasn't. And James Cook, who is a, a running back that I've been taking a bunch in the third round, also mm-hmm. wasn't there. There was other running backs available that we continued to pass on. So now we're sitting here in the seventh. I feel like uh, the Bills have uh, one luxury I mean, between running back and receiver. Aaron, I feel like you could take one of them if you want to take one on either day one or day two. Sure. I think you could go running back or receiver. I don't think they're going to go running back and receiver, but I do. You can't think- stop me from adding Josh Allen weapons. You can't do it. You can't stop me. Uh so I don't, none of these guys I'm in love with. I mean, you can add one and, and put them on the practice squad and see if they they pan out. But go back to overall players here. We shouldn't spend too much time on a seventh round. Yeah, this guy is going to be a practice squad guy anyway. Yeah, so. here you got to close that running back one out. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, I know we took a wide receiver, but that's a guy I'd be willing to put on our practice squad. Jermaine Waller, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. That's a guy I'll, I'll throw in my practice squad or see if he makes a special teams move. Um, we took two corners. That's tough. Um, scroll down a little bit here. Trey Turner. 
Yeah, I'm looking. Looks like a lot of wide receivers available. All right, let's take oh, Smoke Monday. That's a one of probably the most elite name in the draft. Safety out of Auburn. <laughs> and I actually like the player. I think he could be a, a quality special teams guy, but I don't think you're going to go safety back to back at this point. Maybe you do because he, he, they're just special teams guys and you're trying to get guys in the building. But Smoke Monday is a guy I continue to take over and over again. Um, but scroll up a little bit here. Let's take whatever. Let's take the running back out of Florida State and just add a running back to this practice squad room. Um, Corbin is it? there. Oh. Corbin out of Corbin. Florida State. I'm gonna. It's a guy I'm gonna have to go look up, but we're gonna take the best running back available. Put him on our team. Put him on our practice squad. See what happens. See if he forces that final spot on the practice squad off the roster. Now I got it up on the screen. If you're watching this on YouTube, last week when we did this. When the draft ended, it automatically kicked us out and resetted another mock draft. Hopefully, it doesn't do that again. So then uh, we can read these off. The draft's about to end right now. All right. So, and by the way, I don't think the Bills, for the record, what do they got? Eight draft picks. I don't think they're going to make eight draft picks. I don't think they're leaving. I, I think they'll be they'll be doing some maneuvering at some point. I'm pretty confident of that. All right. Finishing your draft. All right. Here we go. So we actually will be able to. Uh, and I'll tell you what, because you can see the screen better than I can, quite frankly. So do you want to read these off? Sure. So we went uh, at 25. We stayed with all of our picks here again. At 25, we went with Chris Olave, wide receiver out of Ohio State. At 57, we went with Roger McCreary, cornerback out of Auburn. Uh, 89, we doubled up on cornerback again with my draft crush, Cam Taylor Britt, at cornerback out of Nebraska. Then we went at 130 uh, with punter. Maybe the highest drafted punter here in the last decade. I'm not sure. We'll have to go look that up uh, with Matt Azaria or, or raises. I don't know how to say his name, to be honest. I just read he's it. This, he's the guy who's going to be kicking the ball. Monster leg. Can't, can't hold a kick, but he put it through the uh, <laughs> put it down in a coffin's corner there. Punter out of San Diego State. Uh, 168. We took Cam Jurgens, interior offensive lineman out of Nebraska, sort of a swing interior offensive lineman. And then we doubled up again, two double up positions here with Chris Paul at 185, uh, interior offensive lineman out of Tulsa, big mean dude that I like a lot. And then at 203, a, a consistent pick for me has been Wanye Thomas, um, sort of a hybrid tweener linebacker safety special teamer. And then we at 231 took uh, Jashawn. Corbin running back at Florida state that I don't know anything about, but he was the top running back available and we missed on running back. So we're hoping this guy can maybe stick to the practice squad and be a fan favorite that everyone's pounding the table that he doesn't get enough respect and doesn't get in on this team. So <laughs> pretty good draft though, Pat. I, I like I, this draft a little bit. I like this draft more than the first one. And it's not that I, I love Jordan Davis, the player. And I like kind of Walker, the player that we got in our first pick, our draft. I just never felt that that was realistic to get them at 25 and 57 respectively. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can't hit, you can't get everything in a draft. It's just, you know, that's the way it goes. I like that. We double down on corner and I like that. We double down on guard interior offensive lineman depth in the mid part of the draft in the fifth and, and the sixth round as well, because I think both those guys would have an opportunity to make the team. You got another weapon, which you love. You can, you said you can never have enough weapons for Josh Allen in the cupboard. So we got a receiver in the first round. The only thing, looking back at this draft now, that we didn't really get to address, that maybe the Bills don't even address anyway, is running back, man. That's about yeah. it. So, and we continue, by the way, through two drafts now. One constant is they haven't touched linebacker because, and then I'm going to let you go too. I don't know, and I'm going to spend a lot of time over this next week researching. I don't know a lot of potential inside linebackers. Every linebacker I read about that's high, highly touted whatsoever. 
is more like a Milano type player than a Tremaine Edmonds type player. There doesn't seem to be a lot of quality inside linebackers who are athletic in this draft. So I think there are some that uh, one, I we don't see them lining up with the way the draft network's big board is to where the bills picks are, which I don't know if that's close to reality or not. We don't, we won't know that until draft night. Um, but the ones that I've sort of looked at your Chad Mumas type guys never seem to be available. When we get into trades, we might have to trade into one of the spots to get a guy like that. Uh, the other thing for me, Pat, and this one, you'll have a hard time. I'm maybe blindly so convinced I really think that the Bills are all in on keeping Tremaine Edmonds locked up here as part a big part of the future. I think they're higher on Tremaine Edmonds than maybe anyone else is. Yeah, it, it can maybe. certainly happen. I mean, yeah. I've been not... wrong a lot before, so he this is a won't pro be, bowler, it man. won't be the first time. Yeah, I, I think I think a couple things about Tremaine and this doesn't need to turn into an Aaron Quinn loves Tremaine Edmonds because it's not that he's not like my guy that I'm going to pound the table for, but he's better than people think. He stacks up better with his peers than folks think. And he does a lot of stuff in this defense that doesn't get talked about in in terms of that type of length and athleticism stuff he does that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And then they haven't really put the right offensive line or the right defensive lineman type of guys in front of him to get a true evaluation of the player that he can be. So he's been doing things that other linebackers aren't asked to do in the league that make it look bad. Uh, a lot of the times on some of these low lights, when you see Tremaine missing a gap or something like that, like he's, he's got some responsibilities that other guys in the league at his position aren't asked to do. And so some of that's mixed in too. Yeah. He's, he's not easily replaceable if nothing else. And I'm finding For it sure. out just through uh, his mock draft exercise. We do. Yeah. All right, everyone give Aaron a follow at Aaron Quinn, seven, one, six, of course, check out the cover one Buffalo football podcast. He does with Greg Thompson. Those guys are both great, man. This was fun. And next week, we are going to do drafts. Well, we're not automatically going to do drafts are on the table next week. We're not just trades, going to do a trade. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. Trey. We're not going to do a trade just to do a trade, but offers do come up on this. We'll board discuss them. We will discuss them for sure. Thanks, buddy. This is fun as always. Appreciate you, man. You know that. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. I'll be back with a brand new show on Friday. Take care.